Hi guys, and welcome back to Flipping SoFlow. I'm here with your main man, Willie Numbers. What up? I'm your co-host, Savannah, by the way, in case any of you didn't know who I was. Today, we are going to be talking about how Will got started in real estate investing. So we're going to take a nice little trip down memory lane. <laughs> we were talking about it earlier, and we just kind of wanted to jump on here and explain to you guys his story. So let's do it. It's a Saturday. We're chilling. It's a long weekend. Not really for us, but for most of the world, we'll be taking Monday off for Labor Day. Mm-hmm. So we're going to share our story with you and mostly him, not me so much. But <laughs> so how did you get started? Well, <laughs> I actually got started in officially. I got started in 2017 as we're recording. This is 2023. So little over six years when I got started, but we'd have to rewind back to, I was at Merrill Lynch, as most of you have heard, you know, some other podcasts that I've done. That's my background. I, I got fired there and I came back home to move in with, with my mom at the time. So, you know, humbled. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, but I had a buddy who was into a diabetic testing strip business at the time. And I didn't have anything else going on. So, you know, he told me, hey, we can do this 50-50. All you have to do is put out these, you know, signs, these banded signs, which people use in real estate too, and take the calls and, you know, we can pick up uh, diabetic testing strips and, and resell them. So I was like, okay, well, got nothing else going on. So it's, 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 it's a shot to do something for myself, right? So did that and, you know, just figured out a lot of stuff about business and little things like, you know, corporate America to that is very different. So it was kind of an adventure every single day. But I I started listening as I was driving around doing the bandit signs or what have you, I, I would listen to podcasts and to pass the time. And I was looking for, I knew the diabetic testing strips wasn't going to be a long-term thing, obviously. Right. It was kind of a gray area business to begin with. So, but I was looking for something else. Like what what else is out there that I could, you know, get into or learn about? Didn't know real estate. Always heard about real estate. At Merrill Lynch, I had nothing to do with real estate. So, but it was just something that was always in the back of my mind. And one thing led to another. And I heard Sean Terry podcast, Flip to Freedom, which I think is is called something different today. But Sean Terry's still around in, in Phoenix. And there was a podcast. I would listen to all his shows and I found out about wholesaling because that, that, that was the first time I ever heard the term wholesaling on the real estate side. And there was one specific podcast that the title said how a 23 year old flipped $15 million worth of real estate and made 350 grand in Miami, Florida. And when I heard that, when I read that, that title, I was like, Oh shit, (laughs) this guy's in my backyard. Like, like this is happening right here. So it, you know, it brought it home for me. You know, I'm from Miami, but whatever, long story short, I, I heard that podcast three times back to back to back. And it was like an hour long. So I really heard the podcast and I listened to everything that he was saying. And the guy was like a year younger than me at the time. And I ended up, he, he put up his, on the show notes, he put up his office line if anyone wanted to reach out to him and his email. So I emailed him and in his podcast, he said what high school he went to, which I had a cousin that went to, it was Pace High School in Hialeah. And whatever. I, I cold called his office. I lied to his secretary. I said, you know, can you, can you please tell him that it's an old friend from Pace? 
I lost his number. And she transferred me over to him and he answered the phone. He's like, hello, who's this? And I was like, hey man, listen, you don't know me. I don't know you, but just don't hang up the phone. If I heard your podcast, if you teach me everything you know about real estate, I'm willing to split my first five deals with you 50-50. And those were the first words that came out of my mouth. That was the only thing I could think of. And, you know, there was like a moment of silence and I thought he hung up to be honest, but he told me, he was like, yeah, can you come by my office tomorrow at 11? And I was like, holy shit, that worked. <laughs> so I was, I was at it. I, I actually told him, I was like, I could be there today. And he's like, no, I'm busy today, but you can come by tomorrow. So I went, I met with him and, and, uh, you know, we chatted for like an hour and I must've seen, you know, like my eyes were open, man. I went into his office. I saw like a bunch of people working there and I could, I could finally touch it, you know? And, and, and it just, it brought it all home for me and it made it real. So we, we started on that journey and, you know, 91 days later, we, we had done five deals and honestly, the, the rest is history as far as that's concerned. Very nice. Yeah. So what, when you started doing the diabetic testing trips, this is just a random question. Mm -hmm. What about doing that? made getting into the real estate game a little bit easier for you. Because once you did get into real estate, you started putting out bandit signs for houses instead of diabetic testing strips. Yeah. So there are a few things that you took with you before you jumped headfirst into something you knew absolutely nothing about. Correct? Well, to be fair, I was actually doing both for the six, for the first six months that I started on the real estate journey after having that conversation with the guy on the podcast I was still doing the diabetic testing strips because it was actually generating me nothing crazy, but maybe four or 500 bucks a week. That's all I needed, you know, to, to pay my minimum bills. But I didn't want to like let that go because I was learning a lot. It was, it was making me money. And, and I figured, well, while I get this real estate thing off the ground, let me just keep doing this. And I also didn't want to do my buddy wrong because he brought me into that business. So I, I was doing both at the same time. And I was also driving Uber at night at that time. So, cause I just, I, I needed to make money. So, you know, like nothing is beneath you when you really want to do something. So, you know, a college graduate <laughs> driving Uber in my little used BMW, driving people around, listening to podcasts in between, taking calls for diabetic testing strips learning about real estate, taking phone calls and cold calling sellers. So that was my day for, for like a year. So when did you get to the point? Because I think you'll agree with me when I say this, that when you want something bad enough, you have to go all in. So there's yeah. no more Uber. There's no more diabetic testing strips. It's yep. all real estate investment from here on out. What changed your mind and how did you change your mindset into leaving the other two and focusing solely on investing in real estate. The specific moment is what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. The specific moment was when I started with the first thing I ever did with real estate was direct mail, which I don't recommend to anyone listening to this right now because it almost bankrupted me at the time. Yeah. And how much did you spend? Just a quick question. Yeah. Um, so I had a credit card that was like the way that I was going to survive for the foreseeable future. And I spent probably 10,000 bucks before I ever got my first deal. I ever got traction like that. So yeah, it was probably about 10 grand 
before any results came in. But the moment, the moment was just the, when I swiped the card and I, and I, and I put, I think the first mail campaign was like three grand or something. And it was a lot of money at the time. And I shit my pants to be honest. And you know, I, I just said to myself, I was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go all in on this. And then one day I just, I literally just, I didn't reorder the bandit signs for the diabetic testing strip. And I actually told my buddy and my ex-partner, I was like, why don't we just get into real estate rather than do this diabetic testing strip? And, you know, brought them that way and, you know, kind of brought up the idea. But yeah, that, that was the moment where I just committed and I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an all-in kind of guy. So when that happened and I swiped that card for the first direct mail, I was like, I don't, my mentality was very clear. I was like, I don't care how long it takes. I'll make this real estate thing work and I'll stay here until it works. There was no, you know, backup plan or exit or something like that. I, I, didn't, I didn't have anything else. I, did, I didn't have a plan B to quote Will Smith. So, you know, I, I, I didn't believe in that. I still don't believe in plan Bs. I, I just go for it. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of your coaching curriculum today. When people... Yeah come to you and they want to be mentored by you or sign up for your coaching. Mm -hmm. It's very, very cut and dry for you that it's, if you're doing anything else or if there's any sort of wavering whatsoever, then this is probably not the coaching mentorship program for you. Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I could only teach people and, and want to teach people better said the way that I did things and, and what I went through, through my experience. So, you know, it's okay to have split focus or something, you know, at the beginning. But for me, like you got to make a decision very, very quickly on whether or not you are going to go all in on this thing called real estate or wholesaling. And I think the faster you do that, the better off you'll be. And whatever it is that you're hanging on to, it's just a crutch. You need to see it that way. And I think when you put off that kind of intention and that energy towards the universe, it rewards you. And it did for me. Absolutely. And, you know, let's let's be very clear. Like, it was very scary. It was very difficult. Every day sucked. You know, like, I, I just want to say that right here, right now for anybody listening. I think that there's such a big misconception or myth where people see me today or they'll see stuff that we post on Instagram or the deals and all oh, 50K here and 100K there, whatever, or my students getting all these deals. Dude, that shit takes a lot of time and a lot of energy and, and a lot of grit. So for years, it was never like that. To, to get off the ground was, was like an 18-month process from actually the beginning of getting, from hearing that podcast. So, and by getting off the ground, I mean like where I was actually getting a deal a month or something like that which is not a lot, but, right. but yeah. So you touched on this a little bit. I want to ask what made you decide to get into real estate investing with a partner? Because essentially this all came from you. You heard the podcast, mm -hmm. you wanted to move forward with it. You were going in on that solo. And before you made it happen last minute, you decided to bring in your former business partner. What was your intention behind that? Well, at, at that time, we were also doing the diabetic testing trips together. We were really good friends for a long time. So naturally, 
you were just like, hey, come and do this instead. Yeah. And naturally I was like, look, two heads are better than one. We were both flat broke. We didn't have anything. We were both college graduates, but his career, he was a football star in college. His career chewed him up and spit him out. I was a college graduate that went to Wall Street. My career chewed me up and spit me back out. And somehow, some way, we both ended up in South Florida. And we're kind of just both looking at each other like, what the fuck are we going to do now? <laughs> so for me, I, if, if anyone knows anything about me, I, I'm, I don't dwell on that shit. I'm already on to the next thing. And I just go. So I, I, didn't, I didn't. And this is like a nugget for anybody listening. It's all right to... To, you're, we're all human, right? It's all right to feel the, you know, pity or, you know, the difficulty. And you're like, damn, like this, this, like, I feel bad for myself. Like, this is really hard. Like, it's not easy. That's okay to do that. Just don't dwell in that. And, and I think what people do is that they tend to like fester and stay there and think about why poor me, poor me, why is this happening to me? Rather than just flip it on its head and be like, look, this is not happening to you. This is happening for you. You can either sit here and cry and have a little pity party for yourself. You can do that. Do that shit in silence by yourself. Get it out of the way. Cry if you have to. I know I have. And then get back to fucking work. So, and, and as soon as you start stacking obstacles and challenges in front of you, you don't have time to think about that shit because you're trying to accomplish something new and you're trying to be a better version of you. So if you're consistently, the faster you can do that, the faster you can move through that obstacle and you know, I think that's what separates winners and losers in, in life in general, whether it's athletics or whatever. You look at anybody you follow, they went all in on something. They really went hard on it and they didn't allow setbacks to, to drop them back further than what they needed to be. They used the setback as fuel and it catapulted them forward. I know for a fact, at least that's what it did for me. And that's how I lived my life, so... Yeah. Great answer. <laughs> so let's get into a little bit of the day to day. Once mm -hmm. you first got started, what did your days look like? Cause I know we've had these conversations in the past, but yeah. they were anything but beautiful from the inside <laughs> looking out, especially. So what was your day to day? Mm -hmm. What, what did a typical day in the shoes of Willie numbers in the beginning look like for you? You mean like once I went all in and in, in real estate? Yep. Yeah. So my day to day, keep in mind, I had a partner at the time. So my day to day and his day to day was pretty similar, but either we were cold calling to generate leads or we were running comps or analyzing deals, getting practice. I was learning as I was going to, I was watching other people. I was listening to more podcasts, any calculator I could download, I would to, to try to analyze anything I could learn about the business. I would sales scripts, this, that. So I was always like learning. And at the same time, it was either generating leads, going out to properties, trying to network with other people that had deals so I could go visit these properties and see what it looks like, you know, look at it, feel it, touch it, that kind of stuff. And just grinding 12 to 14 hours a day, like nonstop, you know? So either generating leads, taking direct mail calls, talking to sellers, following up, or learning. That was it. I, I was very, I want to be very clear on this. It, I did nothing for the first two years of my real estate, quote unquote, career that didn't have to do with real estate. I didn't do anything else. 
I wasn't looking for another business. I wasn't looking for another bright idea or anything like that. So I was all consumed by breathing, living, sleeping, and you know the other one, all real estate. Yes. Every day, every day, every day for years. And when you treat whatever craft you go into like that, you, it's only a matter of time before you have success. So yeah, I was just grinding every day. That's what, that's what my days look like. And you were also nose deep in everything real estate as far as you weren't just wholesaling properties at this point. You were also rehabbing properties. Not at the beginning. No, rehabbing came about 18 months into my real estate journey. Oh, okay. So you did start solely on wholesaling? I started solely on wholesaling because I didn't have the money. I didn't have anything else. All I had was a credit card and my effort and my time. That's what we had. So everything we did generated, you know, and keep in mind, this is a different market back in 2017, 2018, pre-COVID, all that stuff. So all we did was just try to reach out to sellers. And then when we finally did get a deal, well, what's this thing called disposition? Well, how do we get rid of it? What do we do? And that's why we, you know, when we partnered with this guy, that's what he helped with because he had an established buyer's list and all that stuff. But in reality, it was just all, there was no systems, no processes, nothing like that. I mean, I started off with like a notepad and I think then we graduated to like a Google Excel spreadsheet to track leads and stuff. Like that was, that was, that was way before we even found Podio, which was like our first CRM, but which I, which I found out about through a podcast, you know? So yeah, it was very analog, rudimentary, knocking on doors, <laughs> literally, you know, grabbing a pre-foreclosure list, driving out, knocking on doors, like Anything I could do to generate a lead or something that would bring me closer to getting a deal, I was doing it. Anything. And I mean anything. Anything. I would do stuff for other guys that were in the business for free. I would be like, oh, you need somebody to go out and take pictures of a house? I'll go. No problem. And I would do favors like that. Number one, it taught me how to do the day-to-day -day activities and what was required once you do get a deal. But number two, it bought me a lot of goodwill and, and faith with with people and and i nothing was beneath me you know like as it shouldn't have been. nothing yeah and i think that i'm 32 as we're recording this i think when you're newer and the younger generation kind of misses that boat where they feel like oh i'm not gonna do that because like i'm not gonna work for free no listen dude you you have to you can either have money or you can have time and when you don't have money, all you have is your time, AKA sweat equity. So you better put that shit to work before you have dollars in your account. Now, if you have money, then you can buy other people's time. I didn't have that luxury. So I only had my time. So all my time was, was what I gave to the business, to the game, to people. And that's what I did. So I like one way or another, you could find me for the first two years of my career, I was doing something real estate related, either going out to a property, meeting with a buyer, talking to a buyer, talking to a seller, negotiating, renegotiating, trying to resell a house, going out and taking pictures, placing a lockbox. I mean, anything you can think of. I, I, I've done every role in this business. Well, and I think that's probably what makes you so successful today and so good at what you do. Not only are you passionate about it because you've been in every single seat that 
is behind your business today. You don't fill all those seats anymore no. because you, you got smart and you valued your time more and you, you got to the point where you could do that. But because you've been in every situation and every seat of the business, it makes you that much better because you understand all those rules fully because you've acted all of them and not even just one at a time individually, simultaneously, you are running all of those positions for your business at the same time. Yeah. Like my ex business partner and I sat in every single freaking seat almost at the same time and, and for, for years. So I was wearing like 12 hats a day for, to use that expression. You know, like I would put on the acquisition hat and then I would put out the comp hat and, you know, the, the systems and processes ops hat. And then I would put on the disposition hat. Then I would put on the marketing hat. Then I would put on the education hat. So I would learn more and, you know, the student hat and that kind of stuff. So it was always like a different hat to put on. I was the CPA. I was the, I was the bookkeeper. I mean, everything you can think of. So yeah, all the things, all the things, <laughs> all the things. And, you know, that's why I was able to scale my company. And that's, you know, years later, the first hire, your first hire, what the hell are they going to do? Well, what you know how to do, and then you have to teach them, right? So if you don't learn those things, there's no way around that. Somebody's got to learn it. And I always tell students this, somebody's got to be an operator. Doesn't just happen. Well, <laughs> so. I think a lot of people, students, and just outsiders looking in, they maybe get confused, but also when you think about being an entrepreneur or having your own company or running your own business, you think of all the great things, right? You think mm -hmm. of all the flash and all the beauty and the excitement. Especially with Instagram nowadays. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But when you were doing all of this with your former business partner, you guys were doing this inside of a house that you flipped together, correct? So you actually lived there and that was your office and it was a, a property that you invested in. You didn't have a shiny office or a fancy car yeah. or downtown Miami. That was, or that was, that was down the line. You're talking about 1404. That was down the line. I think that happened like at the two year mark. Mm -hmm. uh, that was actually our first attempt at a flip, which crashed and burned. So And before that you were doing it from a desk at your mom's house and a laptop. Yep. And then I moved out of my mom's house like a year after getting started, like 2018. I moved out of her house again to like a small little studio apartment. And I had a desk on the corner with a laptop, an old ass laptop that I had from college, <laughs> but it got the job done. So I had my iPhone, I had a laptop, I had a makeshift desk that I think I bought from like OfferUp or something. I couldn't afford anything else. It was like 50 bucks. And I put it together, whatever. And, and it, it did the work. And, and I actually had a sliding glass door on that, in that apartment. And I remember I had a Sharpie marker because I couldn't afford a board. So I would just write on the- An expo marker? Yeah, uh, an expo <laughs> like, marker, well, sorry. you probably had to pay to replace <laughs> the glass at that place. Yeah, the expo <laughs> marker. And I used it as a board. And I would just write up there all the, you know, whatever I wanted to write. And I would use that as like a board. And I would erase it and then I'd write it again. Any ideas I had, like KPI, when I found out what a KPI was and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I mean, we, I'll put it to you this way. Down the line, we hit our first seven-figure year and we were both working out of home with shitty-ass apartments. We, we hit seven figures. So I, I, I do not 
move out until that first flip, which this is a great lesson on focus and <laughs> staying laser focused and thinking that, oh, I can wholesale now, so I must be able to flip. And that's what happened. We bought this flip, overspent on it, had no idea what we were doing. And lo and behold, now we couldn't sell it because at the time we had overspent and the market just wasn't there to, we would have lost money. So ended up refinancing out of it and it was a 3-2 in Fort Lauderdale, which you remember. Mm -hmm. And the front two bedrooms were offices for my ex-partner and I. And the back bedroom is where I slept. And then there was a kitchen. And we ran it out of there for like eight or 10 months. And then we got our first office, which was a joint office, which was a 100 square foot office that we had back to back with desks facing opposite directions. And, and it was so loud sometimes that we had to leave the office and walk around just to take a call because we both couldn't be in there because it was too small. But it was an office and we were really proud of it. And, and you know, it took us two and a half years to get to that point. You yeah. know, all these kids want all the flash and the pizzazz right away, but they're not willing to put up 24 months, which is what it took me, of fucking shitty hard work to be able to earn that. And I also think that seeing young entrepreneurs entrepreneurs today, they will take out small business loans or borrow money from family. And the first thing they spend their money on is offices mm -hmm. and what it looks like and the desks and the laptops and all the things. It's all show. It, yeah. And you don't need that. And if you're thinking about getting into any business for that matter, I highly recommend not doing that. You don't need to. One, and it's, it's only taking away from what your, your true goal should be. Yeah, and I, and I will chime in on that point. As a successful entrepreneur today that's been through it, I will tell anyone listening to this right now, if you cannot make money and make it happen in this business wholesaling, getting deals under your belt, getting some money in the bank, if you can't do that, out of whatever your current situation is, then you are not gonna make it very far. Because if you think an office is required or if you think that new car is required or whatever flash you think you need to have in order to make money, you're sadly mistaken. It needs to be you. You should be able to produce that money from your efforts, like bootstrapped in other words, before you have any of that shit. And that's where I, I think people go wrong, where they think that they need these things and these accolades to help them, you know, somehow, some way that's going to help them do more business. But it's not. The only thing that's going to help you do more business is grabbing your phone, putting up more effort, making more calls and, and getting more deals done. That's what you need to focus on. And I also, to add to that, I don't think it's that th their mindset is even there that to get all those things, they need this. I think it's because their want gets in the way and it's extremely difficult to hold yourself accountable for what you should be doing opposed to what you want to be doing. You want the flash, you want the nice laptop, you want the fancy office, you want the cool car. But mm -hmm. people aren't willing to step back and be like, okay, maybe this isn't the right financial decision. Maybe yeah. my perspective's a little bit off. Maybe I haven't really earned it yet. So maybe I need to sit the fuck down and focus on what I really need to be focusing on right now, which is getting business in the door because the cars will come. The mm -hmm. offices will come. The flash will come. It's coming. But if you 
don't put those in the right position and set them up in the right pattern, it's going to just prolong you getting it as easy as it is to come. Something so silly, but I've always wanted a Rolex, right? Ever since I was a kid, always wanted a Rolex. I'm sure a lot of guys listening to the show want something nice. Might not be a Rolex, whatever. But I always wanted a Rolex. And I didn't get my first Rolex till I was four years deep into the business. And I had a multiple seven-figure business. And I had more than enough money in the bank that I could afford that Rolex 30 times over. That was the first time I ever bought a Rolex or my first high-end purchase ever. That was four years into busting my ass for that. Could have bought it much sooner, but I was too scared and too focused in order to do it. So that whole fake it till you make it shit, yeah, to some degree, there's some validity to that. You know, you have to act the part. I think that's where that expression gets kind of like blurred. Like you need to act like you've made it already in the right ways. But those kinds of accolades, they don't impress me. I, you know, I see people today, won't mention any names, but I see people today in Lambos and this and that. And I'm a guy like me, like real people, you know, and people that I hang out with that have a lot of money. They know like any asshole with 30 grand in their account, a decent credit score and 3K a month can afford a Lambo, a Ferrari, a Rolls Royce that's used. Doesn't say much about who you are. Like that kind of shit doesn't impress me. Because I've met, I've been on the other side and I've met so many people that have faked it till you make it kind of thing that they literally just fake everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's that's very common down here. Yeah, South especially Florida. in South Florida. Like, dude, listen, I get it. Flash has its time and place, especially on social media. Like, we're on social media now and all that stuff. But again, like I could, I could, I could do some of those things to kind of bolster my reputation and views and shit. But why? Well, I don't, and I think, I don't need to. No, you don't need to. And also, isn't that just taking away from what your end goal really is? If you're more focused on getting a Lamborghini, then you, you will get the Lamborghini because all your focus is going towards that. All your energy, you're attracting that. That's what you're... <laughs> You're telling the universe, this is what I want. But don't be upset when your business takes a shit because all you did was tell the universe and tell your business and everything incorporated with that was that the Lamborghini was more of a priority to you than the business itself. Correct. You definitely need to... Look, when when you start off and when you finally get out of that place and you start making like some money, and by some money, I mean like six figures a year, like your first 100K a year or whatever, it's great. It's amazing, you know, and you, and you get to that point and you're like, wow, you know, I, I busted my ass so long to get here. And that is true. And that is so. But the, the big misconception is that, oh, now let me go pay something for myself. Let me go buy this thing that, that I want. Let me go get this stupid toy or whatever. And honestly, although you feel that you may deserve it. It's not the time and the place yet because you haven't proven it to yourself or to your business for enough of a, of a long enough time. And all it's going to do is set you back. Yes. You should be reinvesting that money into your business, into your education, into hiring if you're at that stage, into more marketing, into exactly what got you there in the first place. 
you should be pouring out that first profit, those first profits into that, not into anything else that's going to distract from it. Right. I know because I've done it in the past where I've hit certain accolades and certain levels where I went out and I bought other stupid shit that probably I shouldn't have for sure looking back at it. But again, the difference is that I could afford it at the time. It was a big difference. And then I just learned my lesson and moved on. But, it, but again, four years before I got that one nice thing. And I think that's saying a lot. One of the wealthiest guys I know, you walk, him, you walk past him on the street, wouldn't know he's worth five, six hundred million bucks. You wouldn't know it. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, and I won't say any mm-hmm. names, but you wouldn't know it. And pff, the dude is, is an animal, but his priorities are, are the right way. And I also think that once that moment comes as a business owner, you'll know that. And chances are you won't care about whatever that flashy thing that you wanted was six months ago. Your mindset has already changed so much and your priorities have shifted that just knowing you can have it if you want to is solace enough. There needs it's to- very humbling to know that you can, but you're going to keep putting towards that effort towards your business. You don't have to, but I would venture to say a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs are that way. Once that moment comes, it's happened to me that I saved up all this money so that I could put new rims on my Jeep. <laughs> and I saved and saved and saved. I didn't touch a dime from the second job that I was working at the time to save the money so that I could put new rims on my Jeep. By the time I had accumulated all that money, one, I completely forgot about it because I was so focused on doing other things. But then when I realized, oh shit, I have all this money now, I can buy my new rims. I didn't even want to. Mm-hmm. I was like, do you know how many other things I could spend this money on that would be far more beneficial? It was like, I know that I can, but I think it would kind of be silly if I did. Yeah, there needs to be, like that's where discipline comes in. The discipline to do that is very hard. I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you. Till this day, it's, you know, it's very hard. But that discipline is, you, you really need to focus on everything for the beginning and early on should be on how to keep, continue to fuel what's getting you there in the first place. Because making a hundred grand a year to anyone listening, it might be cool, but I, I can tell you, trust me, it's nothing in the grand scheme of things. And if you can do a hundred grand, you can do a hundred K a month. Now that's where you really start to see changes in your lifestyle and changes in life in general. And you know, your money relationship will change after that. But none of that is, is, you know, like it's a cool achievement, but you're giving, you, you have the opportunity now to put it back into your business. Do that first. And you'll be shocked how much further you'll go and how much faster. There's a lot of guys that started off at the same time as me. They're still in the same hamster wheel, you know, love them. Got nothing against them. They're great. But they're in the same hamster wheel. Why? Because they've taken, they've taken all the trips, all the vacations. (laughs) They've had all the cars. They've had all the club nights. They've had all this. They have all the Rolexes and this and that. Yet they're, they're, they're stuck and they're wondering like, why can't I get past this point of scale? I don't know, man. I wonder why, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and myself included, I've had moments where I've overspent on a lot of shit, but again, my business for the record, when that was done 
was generating four or 500 grand a month in, in revenue, like clockwork. What I'm saying, and I'm not saying that to impress anyone, I'm just saying that I could afford those kinds of stupid mistakes. My business, I built my business to be able to support that. The decision was wrong, but I could afford it. Make sure that if you are going to make those kinds of mistakes, that you can afford to make those kinds of mistakes. You don't want to have a career-ending play too early on in your career. And you definitely don't want to have it done by your own hands. Yeah. So I want to rewind a little bit. Yeah. I actually didn't know that you weren't rehabbing and wholesaling at the same time from the get-go. Mm -mm. I didn't realize that it was almost a year and a half, almost two years that you actually incorporated flipping houses into the wholesale business, which is funny because now you've kind of gone back. You just had stated that, you know, what feeds you focus on that. Yeah. So you got into the fix and flipping. Was it because it was like, oh, cool, we're going to be fix and flippers. We're going to go <laughs> break some shit. I'm going to get a hard hat and start cutting electrical wires and breaking walls down like a man. <laughs> or was it like, I mean, if it was those reasons, please admit that because no. there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I just find it interesting today that you pretty much focus on wholesaling South Florida. You're not really big into the flip game anymore. If something needed to be flipped or it was the right move to make on that specific property, obviously you would make that choice because you have the means to do so. Yeah. But prominently we wholesale homes. Yeah. So my first flip, all right, let's rewind a little bit more, mm -hmm. but my first five deals, my first deal ever. And by first deal, I mean the first seller that actually ever signed a contract with me where I was like, okay, I can buy this property. That deal was 10748 North Saratoga Drive in Coral Springs. I'll never forget, actually Coconut, Cooper City. And I'll never forget that address because it was my first deal ever. It was my third appointment, second or third appointment. And it was a direct mail call. I sat with the sellers for five hours, got them to sign. And then I was riding high. I was like, wow. And I was supposed to make like, at the time, the ARV and everything. We ran the numbers. We're like, man, we're going to make like 35 grand on this deal. Which is a lot of money back then. And... You know, we had to split it 50-50, but I was like, man, that's still like, you know, 17 grand. That's a lot of money. We, we, we can get some, some stuff started, you know? And the next day, the seller called me and said, hey, by the way, I'm not going to sell anymore. Take care, bye, and hung up the phone. So now I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> like, can they do that? And I'm, I'm looking at the dude who, who was teaching me the business. I'm like, can this happen? They're like, yeah, it's called seller's remorse and this and that. He starts walking me through the whole process. And I'm like, but they signed a contract and he's like, yeah, that doesn't really matter. Like people can back out and stuff, you know? And then you got to, and I'm like, so what do you do? He's like, well, honestly, he didn't really know much at the time looking back at it now, because today I would, I would sue for specific performance or file an LP or whatever. Right. And, and we'll get it done. But he was like, well, there's really not much you can do for right now. Just try to keep communication with them and see if they come back. And then so that deal didn't end up closing for a year, believe it or not. And we ended up finally suing them a year later, which I ended up meeting one of my attorneys that's still my attorney till this day, Jordan Wagner. And that was my first deal. So the year after I had a family member that had some money and I was already wholesaling a little bit and this and that, the deal came to the closing table. It was a really good fix and flip. And we ended up buying it with them to do the flip and they put up the money. And that was my first flip ever. 
so no, I, I wasn't like planning on being a rehabber. Just it sounded cool. It looks mm -hmm. sexy. And, you know, for you kids out there, careful, sexy things are they could they could they could be more harm than good. But uh, but yeah. And and then and then when I did the first flip, then my mindset was, oh, this rehab thing is awesome. Well, why don't I put more focus on that? And then it then I did start to split focus, which was a lesson learned there. But yeah, that was my first rehab. So I, I don't come to rehab till many, many moons later, but it was by accident. And it was a lawsuit. And it was a lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> so my first deal after busting my ass for about three months and going through all this shit and spending all this money I didn't have on credit cards that were mine and the mentorship and this and that, my first deal ever ends up being a lawsuit, which was... As you can imagine, that was such a freaking deflating moment at that time. I was just like, what? Like, I just did all this work. I did everything by the book. It was right there. And we couldn't score. Like, that really took a lot out of me. And that's something that I want to say here, where in those moments, in those difficult moments, is when you really have to I don't care where you get it from. I don't care where you find the courage to continue to go. But I was so close at that time to quitting and to saying, all right, this wasn't for me. I'm going to go back to banking and I'll go back to Merrill Lynch or I'll go back somewhere else. I was a college graduate. I'm sure I would have found a great job. But I stayed just a little bit longer. And I'm not even kidding you. Like two weeks later, I got a phone call from another seller that I'll never forget, Frances Fluker was her name, and it was a postcard, and she had four houses to sell in Lauder Hill, and we ended up wholesaling all four, and I think we made like 50 or 60 grand altogether. This is a different market, remember? We were buying these, I remember we bought these homes for like 80 grand a piece in Lauder Hill, wow. which today is probably worth like 300 grand. Yeah, what a dream. Yeah, it would be, I would have bought a thousand of those. But yeah. anyway, and yeah, like we ended up making 40, 50K on the wholesales. And, and that was, but if I would have quit, I would have never had that opportunity. I would have never had that phone call. I would have never made it. You wouldn't be talking to me right now. We wouldn't be having this podcast. So that extra little umph to just stay there, even though it really sucks. And I just had all my hopes and dreams shattered with the first deal turning into a lawsuit. Deal two, three, four, five were right there on the other side of that corner. So keep that in mind, whatever it is that you're going through right now, whatever it is that that, that, that tough time, especially if you're just starting to get off the ground and you haven't done a deal, just remember my words when I say that. You're, you're really, you could be just one more phone call, one more second, one more day away from your, your dream. You really could to getting you off the ground. And those deals led to having some money which led to being able to pay back the credit cards, which led to being able to do some more marketing, which led to deal six, seven, 10, 12, 15, 20, et cetera. And at that point you were what? Drowning in like 30K in credit card debt? Yeah, I had about $24,000 worth of student loan debt and I had about 30K at that time in, in credit card debt just to, you know, cause of the direct mail and this and that and the list and the data and all that shit. So yeah, it was it, like the opposite of a good, financial position yeah but you altered your self-limiting beliefs of wanting to quit and put all that belief into i'm gonna make this work and i'm gonna figure it out yeah again like i said that's always been my attitude 
That's the, you know, the way that I made it to Merrill Lynch in New York wasn't supposed to happen, but I made it happen. That was my goal. That was my mission. That was my dream. I didn't care. I would have, I would have moved to New York to be a janitor if that's what it would have taken to eventually become a trader on Wall Street. <laughs> I would have done it. I know you would have. I would have done it. And, you know, with real estate, it wasn't a clean... Listen, you'd think me getting fired and the first thing I was going to do was putting out bandit signs in the middle of the night in the rain for diabetic testing strips? No. No shot did I ever think that that was going to be my life. But it was. <laughs> that was my journey into getting to where I'm at today. And... That's what I'm saying. Don't look at where you are right now because that's not the important thing. Look at it as, okay, this is a stepping stone, whatever it is. I won't be here forever. I just got to do this long enough to get to that next thing and that next step and the next elevation and the next evolution of yourself. And that's all you need to look at it as. Just, just continue the pace forward. You cannot lose. You can't beat a person who just keeps getting back up. It's physically cannot be done. And, and the only person I know is Ruru, rah, rah, as this sounds, the only person that can do that is yourself. You know, I firmly believe I'm the only dude that could ever take myself out of the game. Other than the big guy upstairs. You are, yeah. Yeah. But, but seriously, you know, and when you're young, if you're in your 20s and you're hearing this, because I started my business at 25. If you're in your 20s and you're hearing this and you don't have a lot of responsibility and you don't have like real world problems yet. Listen to me very carefully. Enjoy that and use that as an advantage because it is. The fact that you're small, the fact that you don't know anything, the fact that you're alone, the fact that you got to do everything on your own, those are all positives. It's not a negative. Really, they are. And, and you can use that to fuel whatever it is that you want to get done. And all my friends that are ultra successful now, like we all sit and talk about how we got started sometimes. Dude, we all got a very similar story of just the shit show of what it looked like to get started, to get that first deal. Well, there, yeah. And there's something to be said about being a minimalist, not just like in the ideal areas of life, but being alone and not having a wife or kids or even a girlfriend or whatever's going on in your family, personal, whatever it could be, because you're once you start going through this, you're going to see that a lot of people naturally don't show up in your life anymore. And there will be people who are rooting against you that are in your life. I have fired friends before. We like to say fired friends. It's yeah. not a good feeling. I still love all those people. If I ran into them today, I wouldn't treat them any different. But there is something to be said about the fact that they're not a part of my day to day and we don't see each other very often anymore. There's nothing wrong with that either. It's just that people make a decision that they're going to go one way and the other person's going to go the other. And that's okay. When you have a business, you're going to see that you treat a lot of the, the outsiders in your life that seem close to you now you're going to treat them that way because your business is going to be the most important thing to you. And that's not mean. Anybody who takes offense to that that's in your world probably won't stick around for the long haul because those kind of people should be rooting for you, which will keep them in your life. Right. And that, that's another good topic that I just did the podcast with Sophia Castro that's coming out next week, by the way. And, you know, we were talking about that, firing friends. You know, when you get on this path, I was very, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but 
again, to anybody listening, I was very matter of fact with that kind of shit. Still are. Yeah, I still am. <laughs> so, you know, for me, it doesn't make them bad people or anything like that. I, I love them, you know, but I missed out on, not missed out. Let me rephrase that. I didn't attend a lot of people's weddings, a lot of birthdays, a lot of boys trips, a lot of vacations, a lot of this, a lot of that. I missed out on a lot of that shit for years, <laughs> not a month, not a week, years running. As a matter of fact, from when I started my business to when I took my first vacation, I think it was three years before I did anything. And I felt uncomfortable as shit to be on that vacation because I was so like, go, 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 go. And for me, it just, it made it so much easier because I, I intentionally started to surround myself with, hey, brother, I love you, but you're going that way. I'm going this way. I'll see you when I see you. I was very matter of fact with that. And even Snoop Dogg had a video the other day, which I thought was awesome that he's like, you know, I would tell the homie, like, listen, I love you, but we ain't going the same route. We can't both go on that plane. We can't both get there because I got to do this work. I got to do the sacrifice. I got to fucking be disciplined. I'm the one that's got to be in the studio late at night, every single night in order to make that hit song. So you can't just coattail off of me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And again, when, you, when you're on this new path and you're learning all these new things, which is a total mindset shift to everybody around you, a lot of people are going to look at you. They should be looking at you like, dude, you're crazy. Dude, I don't recognize you anymore. Good. You shouldn't recognize me. You shouldn't know me anymore. I should be crazy to you. And if you're not, you're not doing it hard enough. That's my personal opinion. Your family should literally, there was times where my family was like, what are you doing? And from a loving place, but they're like, what are you doing? You went to school. You graduated top of your class in finance. You had a job on Wall Street. You got fired. Okay. What are you doing putting out bandit signs to buy people's houses? And I would look at my mom and I'd be like, yeah, these people are going to sell me their house. She'd be like, you got no money to buy the house. I'd be like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's called wholesaling. And you know, like I, I convinced myself of that shit every day. And I'm like, this is real, right? <laughs> like this really, this is going to work, right? Well, you better hope it works and you better, you are the one that needs to be in charge of, I will make this work. And, and that's the mentality that, that you have to have. And I think that people that aren't successful in this business or any business have an attitude of, I will dip my toe in the water and I'll see what it feels like. I'll see what it looks like. And then I'll think about it. A real entrepreneur is running and cannonballing into that water. And you'll watch that guy literally do a cannonball in front of you and be like, what the? F That's what a real entrepreneur looks like. In the water head first, doesn't give a shit what the temperature or if there's even water in the pool for that matter. He or she just cannonballed in there. The action is more important than anything else. So don't sit around thinking about it too long because you might just get overtaken by somebody else. So that, that's something that you need to make a decision on by yourself, and especially in those hard days. There was a student of mine on a Zoom call the other day asked me, he's like, man, did you ever, serious question, I was like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, did you ever want to quit? Because I don't get that from you. And I'm like, all right, look, listen, let me be very clear. <laughs> I already know the answer to this Yeah, I'm like, let me be very clear about this because I, I don't know if you, like, you think I'm Superman or something, but let me be very abundantly clear to this, okay? I have wanted to quit thousands of times. <laughs> I have cried 
because of so much pressure and the downside of this of entrepreneurship so many times more than I can count you know now why people look at me now and they're like oh there's no way that guy's felt that way bullshit bullshit I'm here to debunk that myth I've been there thousands of times in my head in real life I've been in situations where I've almost been evicted you know back in the day because I didn't have any enough money because I was trying to get my business off the ground I mean dude doing cash advances on your credit card to just figure shit out just to give yourself another month of breathing room, missing car payments two, three months in a row. I've been there. I've done all that while still smiling and dialing and finding a way to perform and finding a way to, to believe that dream that you have. So yeah, <laughs> I, I do feel that way. And it's funny because his expression completely changed on the call. And it was almost like, oh, wow, you're human too. I'm like, yeah, no shit. I am human. I've been there. What you're feeling right now, felt it, been there. The only difference between me and you is I kept showing up. That's it. And I hope that he does too, you know, because he's a great person. But no one can teach you that thing, that specific thing, which is continuing to show up, especially when everything sucks. Because it will suck. That's the pivotal moment. I mean, you have to learn to bask in the suck. <laughs> you yeah. really do. Like, roll around in it. Get comfortable being in the sucky, uncomfortable place because you're probably going to live there for an extended period of time. And that's okay. That's part of it. It's, it's those times that are such pivotal moments. That's what's going to make you the kind of entrepreneur that you want to be. That's what's going to set your business apart from everybody else's. And the suck is, is the moments that get you ready for what's coming. Mm -hmm. Look, there's <laughs> an old expression, but, you know, a lot of people want all these things, whatever it is, you know, money, fame, success, whatever. It doesn't matter what business you're in. But the universe and life is going to ask you at some point, okay, you really want this thing. Yeah, I really want it. Okay. You really want it. Cool. I'm going to throw every obstacle I can possibly throw at you. Let's see how bad you really want that thing, whatever that thing is for you. But let's see how bad you really want that thing. And those are the times that that's why you see only 1% of people, give or take, make it to this level. It's because a lot of people start off wanting all these things saying they want all these things, then everything that comes with all these things, good and bad, show up and they throw up their hands and they're like, you know what? I didn't want it that bad. You know what? I wasn't willing to sacrifice time with family. You know what? I wasn't willing to sacrifice relationships. You know what? I wasn't willing to bankroll myself and almost put myself to bankruptcy. You know what? I, I wasn't willing to do X, Y, Z. I wasn't willing to get cursed out every single day for years on end. Cool. So you can't be upset when you bounce back into mediocrity and that form of life. But the people who do stay and the people who do just, just one more rep, just one more day, just one more call, just one more in general, those are the people that you'll see years down the line and you're like, wow, you made it. And I was like a, a simple way to put this, because this is, this might help anyone listening to this podcast, but it was really simple for me when I was going through all of those things in my life and, you know, I've pretty much always been alone or felt that way on some level anyways, but then to really 
accept the fact that people are leaving my life or I'm just not allowing people to absorb my time anymore because I value it so much. But you have to, I just looked at it like, what's worse? Is it worse to move forward and break down all these obstacles and push myself to the next level? Or is being in the same situation, feeling stuck and unhappy and alone and like there's no other choice worse? Which one's better? Which one's worse? Well, the being stuck part was worse for me. The going backwards, the never growing part drove me so crazy that I was like, I refuse. So whatever's coming next for me, I'm going to take it head on. Like every shot with a grain of salt, I'm down. But I will be damned if I'm going to stay in this situation for the rest of my life. You have to overcome that mindset. That's a choice. And if you're comfortable staying where you are now, then by all means, stay there. But I couldn't live with the fact of moving forward in that same situation because I would just constantly regret it. I would just feel like I never used my full potential. I never hit the levels that I knew I was capable of hitting and sacrificing things that mattered a lot to me, even relationships and people. And family can be one of the biggest downsides. And I hate oh, yeah. to say that because no, I don't even like to use the word hate, but this is how terrible this sounds coming out. But it's it's so hard to admit the fact or just accept the fact that sometimes the people that are bringing you down or holding you back the most are actually related to you. They're the closest people to you yeah. because you've known them since the day you were born. Well, remember too, sorry, but remember too, like people project their fears and their limiting beliefs onto you. Well, also people are really comfortable of the role that you play in their life. So when yeah. you change who you are and the role that you're playing in your own life, naturally it's going to change your role in theirs and people are very uncomfortable with change so they're going to start to lash out on you or they're going to project their ideologies onto you and being able to see that for what it is and keep moving forward is extremely difficult yeah. but you can do it and Look, you're I, not being a bad person for doing that either absolutely you have to be selfish in that way for yourself and whoever tells you oh don't be selfish Sometimes you have to be. I'd venture to say that that person doesn't, hasn't accomplished much success in their life. Yeah. It's been proven to me time and time again. But look, it, it, it'll happen to you at the beginning and it can happen to you during the process. You know, I, I was with my ex-partner for six years and then we went our separate ways. And one of the major reasons for that, as you know, was that he plateaued. I didn't, period. I wanted to continue to strive to do more, to do better to be more efficient. Growing, that's really the word, is growth. And I never quit that side of it. He's a great person, but it, I knew like, okay, we need to go our separate ways because he's just not that person for me anymore. And that was a season of my life. And that's okay. And that is okay. And it was a very hard decision and it was a lot of hard choices and there was a buyout and this and that. And it wasn't fun. But, and you know, there's animosity here, there, whatever. But listen, I wish him the best. But we just weren't headed down the same path anymore. And that was very clear and very apparent to me. And it was one of the hardest things I had to do. But I, I started the business with the guy. You know, I didn't want that to be the story, but that's how it happened. But that's me being selfish in what I needed. And because and, I looked at it as, okay, 
We put up all this time, all this effort, all this work, all this sacrifice that we went through together for six years. We, in my mind, I was like, we didn't just do that just to get here, just to stop now. Like now I'm warmed up. Mm-hmm. Now I'm fully stretched. Like, yo, I'm making my three pointers now. Like, what are you talking about? We've been like the big game is coming. We haven't even played the season yet. To me, this has been preseason the whole time. A lot of people will look at it and be like, dude, you've accomplished so much. Like you've been to the championship. And I'm like, no, I haven't. You don't see any trophies here. I don't see any rings on these fingers. I haven't been to the championship game in my mind yet. Now this next go around, yeah, I'm going to the championship round, you know? And, and look, keep in mind, I've, I've, I've scaled businesses very, very high. And I still feel that way. I still feel that way. I wake up every day, you know, and, and I want to go. I want to go, go, go. And I want to accomplish more. And help more people now that I'm on the education side. Because I, I, really, I really get a lot of satisfaction by seeing other people win. Other people, you know, change their lives. Other people that came just from the same place that I did that think that it's not possible. It is possible. You're hearing the voice of possibility on the other end of this. Mm-hmm. You're hearing it. I'm not supposed to be here just as much as the next guy, you know. But I willed my way, no pun intended, to be here. And I stayed in that pocket for just one more. And that... that is the differentiating factor between a very any successful person that you see, and I'm not talking about inherited, I'm talking about earned. Any successful person that you see, there's some, there's some aspect of that behind the scenes. Guaranteed. You know, guaranteed. Because you, everyone has their trials and tribulations that they have to go through. I don't know what yours will be. I know what mine have been. I couldn't have thought about them in my wildest dreams. They just happened that way. But I also know where I would be if I didn't go through that. And if I didn't stay in here, it would have been very, very, very sad looking at where I'm at today and looking back. And if that was a possibility to say, damn, what I could have accomplished, but I didn't because I got scared or I quit. That's it. The word quitter should be a really bad word for anyone listening to this. And I think today's society has made it okay to quit, has made it okay to not want more out of life. It's made it okay to not be uncomfortable. That's okay now. That's a problem. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's okay if you just want nothing of substance in your life. Go for it. Live that life. I think it just creates a world of excuses. It does. You got a bunch of people that are entitled, you know, but I think it's funny, like I try to help people where I can, but I was having a conversation with a, with a young guy the other day. I'm 32, but this kid is like 19 or 20. And he talked to me and he was like, man, I've been, I've been calling for, for a week and I haven't gotten any results. And, you know, I've been listening to podcasts for like the last month and, and nothing's happened yet. And it's really hard. And I just looked at him. I was like, you, did you say a week? And he's like, yeah, a week of calling. I'm like, okay, my man, I, I cold called for a year before it took off. It sucked. <laughs> like, like, you really need to expand that threshold. Yeah. Like, if, if you want to accomplish anything, you better, you better be ready. Fasten your seatbelt and, and get ready. Like, it's going to suck for a while. And, and that's all right. That's part of the process. 
It's going to suck because you suck because you don't know what you're doing yet. That's okay. And that's totally okay. The that's fact fine. that you're putting yourself out there at all is amazing. Is amazing. Is amazing. And if you do that at a consistent basis, you will see the results that you want. You might fall in face first by complete accident. More than likely, that's what's going to happen. But that's a good thing. <laughs> I admire... I admire more the the dude who's busted his ass and still hasn't made it yet than the aka the man in the arena, which is a Teddy Roosevelt quote. It's one of my favorites. I admire more that guy or that girl than the dude that's in the stands who's a Monday quarterback and is pointing the finger at everybody else but hasn't done shit. I I only listen to people who have been in the arena and or have what I want or are where I want to be. I don't listen to anyone else, period, in any aspect of my life. So be very careful who you get information from, who you listen to. If anybody tells you, oh, this shit's easy, you should run away. Well, also anybody that you're listening to, check their tape. The proof is in the pudding. Sure. Check the tape. That's what's going to help you. Because I'm very, people are willing to you know, say and do things that they really can't account for at all. It's very, very common, especially what we do. And living yep. in South Florida where we do, it's an everyday occurrence. So if you're going to take advice from somebody or you're going to ask questions or you want to follow in somebody's footsteps, check their tape first. As my boy Steve Trang likes to say, show me your HUDs. Yeah. I want to see some HUDs. <laughs> Not for me, but just in general. Like I post my HUDs. I I I post real deals. I I I've said two addresses on this on this podcast. For those of you who are extra extra credit kind of people, go for it. Stop the tape. Go look it up and see what I wholesale them for and see if I was lying. So again, I I'm 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 a book of transparency cuz number 1, I want people to feel authentic when they listen to me or when they watch me or when they, if they choose to take advice from me, cause that's a choice and it's a privilege for me. So I appreciate it. But number two, it, it's just authenticity for me. It, it's really just, I got nothing to hide. So go for it. You know, like you can, you can check every single deal, every single address, you can check all of it. So I, I enjoy that very much. And before I ever got into education, I always said that I always said, if I ever got into education, I'll always be the most transparent one. Or I'll try to be the most transparent one. Because I've been in this game for long enough where I've seen all the crap. <laughs> I've seen the trash and all the shit talking that happens. And it's funny. I don't see any of those guys posting up actual real numbers, real figures. I've actually seen some people on social media flat out lie about it already. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that I know lie personally. about it left and right. Yeah. Left and right. It's very disappointing to see, but like left I said, and right. it's very, very common. You get all these accolades and shit like that. And listen, I, I, I think I don't care what you're doing right now. I don't care what you do in the next year. I want, I'm the kind of guy that let's talk in three years. Let's see where we are in five years. Cause I'm in this shit for the long haul. I'm playing for keeps. I'm not a, uh, a dibble dabber kind of person. I'm not, I'm not coming in and out. So I've been doing this for six years. For me, I've never faltered, never changed. I haven't gotten into Amazon or Bitcoin or some shit and chased the craze and then came back to real estate. Well, and also I think, like you said about being authentic, the reason that you have been in this business for as long as you have is because you've stayed true to yourself, because of your authenticity. No, anyone listening to this podcast 
who you are and your authenticity and being true to yourself is going to shine in your business, whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be real estate investing, but that those are the, the relationships that you're going to be building and always staying true to yourself and being reliable and being honest and having good big business practices is, is extremely important. And it's also a day-to-day thing that you do with yourself as an individual, as a person on a personal level. So make sure you have that right in line with who you are as your business persona, because they're one in the same. And if you start to mess those two things up, people will see it. It will tarnish relationships. You will burn bridges and you won't make it very far in whatever business you decide to move forward with. Correct. Reputation is everything. And just stays true to yourself. Man. Yeah, I'm not saying anybody wouldn't. I no. just just remember always too. Yeah, and look, if you expand one 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 little life hack I would give anybody, expand out your time horizon long enough and all the shit that you're going through right now doesn't seem as bad as what it is because it's really not as bad as it seems. And what I mean by that in practice is don't look at what you're going to accomplish in the next 3 months. Look at what, hey, if I'm just getting started, I'm going to give myself a year. I'm going to dedicate the next year of my life to this. I promise you, if you attack this business or any business for that matter, for a year straight, putting up maximum effort, not eating shit, no distractions, no this, no that, laser focus, you would be blown away by the person who's going to come out of the other side a year later. 1000%. And you'll be blown away by your bank account. Fact. Pro tip for you as well. Look at your goal, look at your dream, whatever that looks like, and then work it back. What does a person who has that same goal look like? And then start to adapt the habits of a person who wants what you want. It's very, it sounds very, I don't know, complicated, but it's very simple. It's not. Be consistent, hold yourself accountable, show up, mm-hmm. be early. Bro, there's, Never, something, there's something to be said about showing up you just said it and it was a really good point there's something i don't think this this expression can be overstated showing up is like 80 percent of the goddamn battle (laughs) and if you just show up i i hate is a strong word to be clear i hated almost every single day that i was going through first on okay now I also hated more being broke for the rest of my life. So Mm -hmm. that's why I smiled and dialed. That's why I gritted my teeth. And that's why I did it. Because I knew, okay, buddy, you won't be here long-term, Will. You're going to make it out of this. And it'll look different. And someday you'll employ people to do this shit that you don't want to do. But for right now, brother, you got to go through this shit and you got to do it. But I hated every single moment of it. Yet, I still showed up. And it wasn't easy. But that's the forceful decision. You know, when I decided to get in shape almost three years ago, I was fat. I have no problem saying that out loud. I was fat. I call myself fat because I was fat. And my friends are like, oh, bro, you weren't that bad. I was fat. Call me fat because that's what I was. I was 243 pounds. I was fat. Now I'm in the best shape I've ever been in my life. But it was, it's been a three-year journey. I mean, you, you've been a part of that. Dude, there's no way I'm going back. But I hated every freaking workout. I hated every single diet sucked i mean it's it's, you know it's not fun 
but it gave me, but, but I hated being fat more. Exactly. Like I was saying earlier, look at your situation now. When it comes to making the hard decisions, put down the cake, drink water, <laughs> don't drink alcohol, don't go out till four in the morning. That's right. Don't order out or order in, you know, cook at home, doing all these things, coming from someone who was also overweight. I mean, shit, I just went home and my dad thinks that I'm on drugs, <laughs> but I'm like, dad, I'm not on drugs. I just don't eat like shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I work out five or six days a week. Mm -hmm. And I have a bunch of allergies that my doctor found. So I don't eat what I'm allergic to anymore. And I had a stomach infection and I killed that shit. Like I've always been very active in my life, but I wasn't getting the results that I wanted because I wasn't asking the right people, i.e. a doctor, a professional, healthcare people. So now I have all these results and people are looking at me like, oh, there must be something wrong. Like I said earlier, also, the people that are closest to, to you could even be family are going to make you feel bad about what you're doing in your life. But that's just because it's an outside perspective and they might not understand. But look at where you are. If you don't want to be where you are more, then that's a good thing. All it means is you're going to have to take the harder road, but it's going to come with all the benefits that you're looking for. Yeah. At some point, you're whether it's today whether it's already happened for you or whether it's coming, you're going to have a coming to Jesus moment or an oh shit moment or an epiphany, whatever you want to call it, where your current circumstance and your current situation is going to be so bad that it's going to throw you over the edge where you're going to say, okay, enough's enough. I need to fucking change my life. I'm willing to do anything it takes to do that. For me, that moment was getting fired from my dream position and having to move back home with my mom. That was my oh shit moment. That was my coming to Jesus moment. I didn't know it was going to be real estate. I certainly didn't know it was going to be wholesaling. I certainly didn't know where I'd be six years later down the line. But I just knew that I never wanted to feel the way that I was feeling in that moment. And I knew this will never happen to me again. At least It'll be by my own hands, but not by anybody else's hands. And that was my coming to Jesus moment where I was like, I'm done. And that's why I got into diabetic testing strips. And that's why I got into podcasts. And that's why I cold called that guy. And that's why I did all that shit for the next two years to be able to dig myself out of that hole. But it was because I'm still till this day, as we're recording this, there's still a healthy paranoia, as Bobby Castro loves to say, where I'm scared shitless of ever being broke again, or I'm scared shitless of ever being mediocre or being down there again. Yep. I'm it's, scared shitless of it. That's all it takes, which is a beautiful thing. It's a very healthy relationship that you have with something that you know you don't ever want again. Correct. Same thing for me. Yeah. I don't ever want to be overweight again. I just don't want to be. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what comes out this, that, the next thing. Yeah. I just know that I don't ever want to go back there again. That's why people, you know, I've had conversations with people and people are like, man, you, why are you still working so hard? Why are you still going? You know, and they're talking to me like as if I'm 80, but you know, I'm 32, I'm young, but you know, they're like, man, why are you, you know, like you've done all these things and you've made all this money and yeah, that's true. But I'm not anywhere near where I want to be. And, and only I set the bar for that. No one sets that bar for me. My bar set extremely high. I, I was just born this way. I didn't, I didn't ask for it. It just is what it is. And that's, that's why I don't, I don't let go. That's why I don't falter. Today, there's a lot of days where I'm just like, fuck it. 
I don't really have to do anything because I don't. Because <laughs> I'm in a position where I, I've done enough where I really don't. And I could take a week, I could take weeks off, but I don't, I don't because I know that there's more work to be done. I know that there's more left in the tank, which is the worst part about it. It's not like I'm dragging ass every day. I know I'm feeling, I'm in better shape than I've ever been. I'm in a better financial position than I've ever been. I'm in a better mental headspace than I've ever been. So for me, I'm like, I have all this left in the tank. Like, this is act two. Like, let's go. Like, everything I've done up until this point was was practice. And that's why I, I, I achieved more. I think I had a really great mentor of mine years ago once tell me, the day that you feel that you have arrived is the day that it starts to end. And that's the beginning of the end. And I felt that I arrived maybe two and a half years ago. And then I had a little stint for six months, which I kicked my own ass. And then I got back on the horse. But I've never felt like I've arrived since. And, and I didn't feel that I've arrived up until that moment. And I could tell you right now, man, arriving is a relative term. It looks different for everybody. I have some friends that they're great people and they've arrived with 400 grand a year, 500 grand a year. God bless them. God bless them. I've done that and I haven't felt shit of arriving. That's just me. And, you know, this is my next journey. This is my next chapter. This is my next mountain, if you will. But don't ever feel like you've arrived because that's the day that you really will start to go backwards. And so just always stay hungry is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No matter how much money you have, no matter how much you got left, no matter how many deals you've done or whatever, or who thinks you're cool or what car you're driving. Newsflash, none of that shit makes you who you are anyway. It's, it's, I'm willing to do anything because I still got much more to prove to me, not to anybody else, to me. So start proving shit to yourself. And at the beginning, use all those doubters and use all those people as fuel. Shit, I know I did. I know I did. I, you know, I love Michael Jordan. You know that. He's one of my idols. And one of the things that I love about Michael Jordan, one of his best traits, in my opinion, because it's one of my best traits, is that he picks people in his, in his career. If you look, he picked people to fuel him. And to use that shit and to compartmentalize it and to take them to that next level. You know, like when Carl Malone got the MVP, he was like, okay, Carl Malone's a great dude, but he shouldn't have gotten the MVP. And that irked him. But what did he do? Did he bitch? He moan? No. He fucking packed that shit up, put it deep down inside of him, came the next season and said, Carl, you're fucked. And he balled out on Carl. And that was his, you know, that was his mountain. And he, he uses people like that. So, you know, one thing I would say is anybody's hating on you in your life right now, good. Grab them. Grab it and use it as fuel. If anybody's a doubter in your life right now, great. They should be because you haven't accomplished anything yet. Absolutely. Take that. Use it as fuel. And continue to do that and fuel yourself. All this haterism and negativity or whatever. Dude, it's so easy, but all that stuff is free energy. It's free fuel in front of you. Grab it, use it. And when you see them a year, two years, three years down the line, I know I had those moments. I had one of those great moments where I showed up to a wedding four years after having started my business. And I had a nicer car. I had a badass suit. I had everything. I had my watch, whatever. And I showed up to a wedding that some people that had talked shit about me, that I wasn't going to make it, that I was going to go back into banking, were at. 
And I got the lovely pleasure of walking up to the bar and running into them. And they got to see me and they were like, oh, what are you doing? And you could tell immediately it was like, yeah, yeah, it's my car. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, you remember that thing you said that I was, yeah, I got it. I, I kept going in real estate. <laughs> yeah, it's going great. How are you doing? Oh, you're still, ah, oh, got it. You're still in that nine to five. Awesome. Looks like you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, those moments were, were awesome. Those were awesome moments because they doubted me. Love them. Good for them. But it was, a, it was a nice accomplishment for me because there's nothing better than when somebody tells you that you can't do something and then you do it and you ball out in that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think those moments and, you know, the times from your past and all of those things, I mean, that's exactly what got me to move across the country at 19 years old. Yeah. I knew all the things that I didn't want. And I thought, well, at least I have that going for me. I know what I don't want. I don't know what the fuck I do want, but I know what I don't want. And mm -hmm. having those people or those moments or whatever, when they come back around in your life, it's funny to see, you know, who's winning in those moments. And that's why I say, like, you, you need to, some of these victories are taken in silence. Like, I, I don't flash it anywhere or anything like that. That's one of the, this is the only time I think I've ever told that story. And I don't say any names, but like a lot of those things are, again, there's so many people that started off or were ahead of me in business, in wholesaling specific six years ago that I, it looked like for a long time that I was never going to surpass them. If you looked at it on like a chart, <laughs> it looked bad <laughs> for me. And it was like, damn, I don't think this guy's going to make it. But six years deep, look at that chart now. And these guys are, I mean, I, I leapfrogged them by not just a little, like 100x. And it doesn't make a bad people. But I'm just saying those were the same people that were like, oh, you know, they kind of slided me a certain way when I was newer. And I remember that shit. I remember every single one of them. Every single one of them. Because I remember those moments. They could have been nice. They were dicks <laughs> and they were dicks at the time. And then now where I'm at, it's funny because some of those guys are the guys that are watching my shit or asking me for advice still. And I'm like, huh, that's pretty funny. Weren't you in this business before me? But again, that's why I say don't talk to me about the next 30 months or three months or a year. Show me where you're at in six years. Show me where you're at in five years. That's where you'll really see big change. Well, and there's more of a chance of you putting yourself out there and being more consistent for a longer period of time from the time that you get to get started to wherever you are now that somebody like you as a mentor or a coach or somebody that people look up to, you're going to have more of a reason to want to reach out to that person or want to respond to them or want to give them advice or help or whatever you can because you've already put your money where your mouth is and you keep continuing to do so. So people that are more successful for, than you or at the same level as you or just in the same business and people you want to learn from, they're more inclined to want to help you. And that's a good thing. So just keep doing what you're doing because you're going you're gonna to find the people that are going to support you along the way. Correct. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I love, I love supporting people younger, newer entrepreneurs, you know, whether it's young or older, but newer is the better I mean, word. That's why we started the coaching company in the first place. Yeah. I love supporting people like that. I love watching people win, you know, and a lot of the times I think people get the misconception of me like, oh, you know, this guy could be a hard ass or damn, this guy, 
you know, this guy could be very matter of fact or, you know, a little intimidating. Both, all of those things are true. <laughs> but <laughs> And I can be, but, but here, here's what the deal is, though. The reality is, uh, like, I'm that way because I know what it's like to be at the bottom of the totem pole and climb that shit all the way up step by step and get to the top of the quote-unquote proverbial mountain. And I, and I just want, I don't want people to waste time. I want people to know what their worth is and to chase that dream with obsession and like a relentless pursuit of just, I'm not going anywhere. I, that's what I want for people, particularly in South Florida. There's so much opportunity here. And I think a lot of people just can't believe that this can be done, which is one of the reasons why we got on social media too, was to show that it can be done. It is being done at a very high level in your backyard. Mm -hmm. And there's more than enough room for anyone who's willing to do it and to grow that, that side of themselves. And there's, there are people out there that are willing to help you and willing to put forth effort for you if you're willing to put forth the effort for yourself. There, there really are. There really are. And, and those are the people that you need to surround yourself with. And if you, if you approach people, look at me. I approached someone with value. I was very grateful for that dude that gave me the first opportunity. He taught me how to do this business and we split those deals 50-50. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that he was nice enough to, to do that, you know, and, and that's awesome. And there's a lot of people like that in, in this world. And, you know, I'm that way. I had a young guy approach me like that a few months ago and he's doing fantastically well today, you know, but he got my attention. And, and I was, I mean, I think if he was on the show, he, he would tell you, dude, this guy's giving me his all. Because I have, and I care too much sometimes. But that's why I'm so serious about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and a little word to the wise for anyone who's listening to the show today. Don't ever ask Willie Numbers if you can pick his brain. Because he only <laughs> believes that you should pick your nose, not pick your brain. Yeah, so don't ask point. him if he can if you can pick his brain. Because yeah. he'll respectfully decline. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. You, yeah. Look, guys, there's a... It's, it's like, you know, pickup lines for, for girls or whatever. There's a lot of things that you can say and just, just get better pickup lines. All right. And, and, <laughs> and, and pick your brain in the entrepreneurship world is the lowest caliber and the lowest quality of pickup lines. So don't do it. <laughs> not to me, not to anybody else. You're, you're, you're just telling people, I really don't value your time. And I, I just want something for free. And it comes across the wrong way, even though you're trying to come from a good place. And you probably don't mean it that way, but it, 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 it will come off. So <laughs> just a yeah. little, <laughs> a little note. There's other ways him. to ask. <laughs> yes. what I'm saying. There's definitely other ways to ask and, and there's ways to, to bring and add value. And listen, this is nothing. I practice what I preach. This is nothing that I don't apply. Okay. In my own personal life. Or business, right? With with other people, right? And, and and people that are higher tier entrepreneurs than me right now, that I want their time, that I want their attention, Absolutely. that I want their expertise. I find a way to add value to that person. I don't start off by saying, hey, could I pick your brain? Because no. I would be laughed out of that room, you know? And and, and that's what I'm saying. So I, I still approach that in, in my tier, in my life. Yeah. Yep. So, the long and the short of it, Will got started 
And he is where he is today because he <laughs> had a lot of consistency, a lot of drive. He had no wavering whatsoever in his pursuit to become a real estate investor. So today we bring you Willie Numbers, the real estate investor. And now he's coaching and mentoring all of you how to do so on your own. Yeah. Is um, there, mm-hmm. go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, is there anything else that you would like to address or give to your viewers or your listeners before we wrap this one up about getting started and or any advice for anyone out there who's currently trying to get started in their own business right now? I mean, look, just be very clear on what you want and where you want to go. Find someone who's either there or has been where you want to go or has what you want. Vet them. Do your homework on them, whoever it is, me or anybody else. Very, you know, be very intentional about it. And, you know, trust, but verify, find a way to add value to that person, find a way to get their attention, might be buying their course, it might be this, it might be that, it might be the way that I did it, you could reach out to me, I mean, people do it to me all the time, but, and then once you get their attention, be very clear on what you want, be very clear on what you can do for them, not the other way around, they know what they can do for you, by the way. Just fun fact. They don't need a reminder. They don't need a reminder of what they can do for you. They know what they can do for you. They want to know what you're going to do for them because they're stopping what they're doing and they're taking time out of their busy day to help you. And that's not coming from a place of ego either. It might sound arrogant or egotistical, but it's really not. It's just business is business. Correct. you know, you got to give something to get something and people are willing to give and get as well. You have to remember that on the other end. So just have that real conversation with yourself before you go to another person about it, because that's just, that's how it works. Correct. And, and then once you do get there and once you do have that attention or whatever it is, attack that shit, like your life depends on it because it very well might. And, and I know that that sounds extreme, but that's literally how I approach my day every day. It's like, I, 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 I'll kill for this shit. I feel like I'll die if I don't get it. So that's how I approach. And those are the stakes in my mind. Whether it's right or wrong is debatable. I don't really care about that part. But I know what works for me. So figure out what works for you and align yourself with people who are where you want to go or have what you want and add a shit ton of value to them. Don't ask for anything at the beginning, really. I know it's counterintuitive, but don't. And then let the magic happen. And bust your ass. And if you think 10 hours a day is enough, do 12. If you think 12 is enough, do 14. If you could do 16, do it. Do it. And when you hit your goals and you get to that place that you wanted to be, push even further past that. But don't you dare apologize for getting as far as you got. No, don't ever apologize for your success. Don't ever apologize for where you are or really apologize for other people's insecurities of you because they're insecure in themselves. So don't ever apologize for that. You and you only and alone know what you're going to go through or what you've been through, myself included, to get to where you are right now. And if that's the case, then you owe zero explanation to anyone who wasn't willing to put in that work or that level of com- of commitment and risk as you are. There's a lot of people who look at me today 
and say, wow, he's so young to have everything he has. He must be really lucky. To that I say, I just worked a lot harder than you did. And I didn't bullshit around the subject. I ran through the fire. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't point from the arena, from the audience. I was in the arena. Yeah. That's the difference. So don't ever apologize for that. Great advice. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys for listening. We're going to wrap this up. We don't want to take too much of your time. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm not sure when you'll hear this, but it is Labor Day weekend. So enjoy your long weekend or enjoy working your ass off through the rest of it like a winner. If you're new, you should not be on a boat for Labor Day weekend. Just saying. (laughs) We are not new and we will not be on a boat (laughs) for Labor Day weekend. You should be (laughs) busting your ass right now. Holidays don't exist. You haven't earned a holiday. That's the way that I think. That's how I've been brought up in this business and... All my mentors have been the same exact way and they are way wealthier than me and they're looking at me like, what are you talking about a holiday? If you needed a sign to skip this holiday (laughs) so that you can enjoy many, many more in the distant future, then here's your sign. Bust your ass (laughs) enough where you can make your own holiday. Absolutely. That's all I'll say. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We're going to sign off now. Enjoy your weekend and we'll catch you on the next episode. Appreciate it, guys. Be safe.